This is Leslie Kane, and you're listening to That UFO Podcast. Hi everyone, and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy, and I am delighted to have a first-time guest, but long-pursued guest of mine joining me. He is a distinguished lawyer, researcher, disclosure activist, and the co-founder of the New Paradigm Institute. I've got Mr. Daniel Sheehan. Danny, finally, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Andy. Glad to be here. It's good to get you on in a very busy and important time in the UFO topic. Danny, from 2017 in December, the New York Times bombshell article started a chain reaction. That raised awareness in the mainstream of the US government's official interest in UFOs. It's led to the US Navy updating reporting guidelines on UAP. The UAP task force formed and then started reporting. Then onto the formation of AIMSOG and Arrow. We have then had hearings heard around the world as pilots Dave Fravor and Ryan Graves sat alongside whistleblower David Grush talking about their experiences, recovered craft and non-human biologics. All this seems to have led to this very week where the Schumer Rounds Amendment is hanging in the balance as politicians fight to preserve or weaken its contents. And I want to ask you, how important for you is it, the passing of this amendment and what are the ramifications we could see in the coming days and weeks if it passes? or if it passes in some other form? Well, if it, if it passes in its present form, Andy, uh, it's going to be extraordinarily important because uh, not only are we going to have a board that is in place that is appointed by the president and have the president being briefed regularly uh, about what the, how their progress is going, but it, it will have, the board will have the authority to extract the information from the, not only all six of the United States military services, all 18 of the intelligence agencies, all 32 of the United States Defense Department uh, agencies, but also the private uh, aerospace contractors, which is extraordinarily important. Uh, they'll, they'll have subpoena power. Uh, uh, and also, very importantly, they will have the power uh, under the uh, power of eminent domain. Uh, to actually uh, order the the uh, aero, private aerospace industries to turn back over to the United States government uh, any uh, UFO equipment and technology that has been put into their hands to uh, under contract to try to back engineer, which has been going on. And as you mentioned, David Grush has already testified about that, that we've got some 40 witnesses uh, who know perfectly well that not only that we have the UFO uh, craft, but that their act, the, the uh, aerospace industry has been put into possession of some of this to try to back engineer it specifically to make weapons, uh, which is uh, an extraordinarily serious problem right now. Uh, and one of the things we're trying to do is eventually get a treaty where all countries uh, will be prohibited from using any of the UFO technology to try to develop a weapon system uh, to give them a comparative advantage over other people here on our planet. Uh, so that that's a, if we get the bill passed in its present form, uh, all of those things will be in place uh, and we'll have a, a process, a, a, an orderly, responsible process going on pursuant to which our executive branch and our legislative branch are cooperating, even with participation of our judicial branch that will be there to uh, review subpoenas 
that have been issued. If anyone challenges the subpoenas or an exercise of eminent domain, uh, the, the statute provides for judicial intervention uh, to, to enter a ruling on that, to give uh, effect to those subpoenas and orders. So this is an extraordinarily powerful uh, program that is being set up uh, by this, this project. And, and we had virtually uniform support on this from all Republicans and all Democrats in both the Senate and the House until the individual head of the Intelligence Committee on the House side, the Republican head, uh, Michael Turner, intervened. Uh, he actually comes from the second uh, congressional district in Ohio, where the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base is located, and a number of major aerospace private industries. And that is where the original uh, vehicle, the, the UFO vehicle and the, the debris that were recovered uh, at Roswell were actually brought there. Uh, to Wright Field at that time, back in July of 1947. So they've been, that particular congressional district uh, military base has been directly involved in the concealment of this information for, for decades. Uh, and the other person who came on board was, uh, uh, the other fellow is Michael Rogers, who is out of the uh, second congressional district in Alabama, uh, who is the head of the Armed Services Committee in the House. Uh, and that's where the uh, the uh, Redstone missile base uh, is, where they're trying to use the technology from the UFOs that we have uh, to try to develop uh, more effective missiles, nuclear missiles that can travel faster in, in, in a concealed fashion uh, to try to assist them in, in their own terms, establishing uh, full spectrum dominance. Uh, over the planet, <laughs> which is a real bad idea. Uh, anyway, so that these these two guys, uh, that uh, Michael Turner from the Intelligence Committee in the House and Michael Rogers uh, in the Armed Services Committee in the House, uh, have enlisted the support of Mitch McConnell, who is the minority leader in the United States Senate. And the 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 peculiar fact is is that inside the Senate. And inside the House Intelligence Committee and the House uh, Armed Services Committee, the overwhelming majority of the members, both Republican and Democrat, uh, are supportive of this bill. And it's just these chairs that have been gotten to by the private aerospace industry. Uh, turns out that Michael Rogers, in, in the, the head of the Armed Services Committee, his major financier uh, for all of his campaigns is Lockheed Martin. Uh, who actually has some of this technology in its possession uh, and have been working at trying to back engineer it. Uh, and so that they have risen up and are basically threatening uh, these men, you know, threatening them uh, with, you know, with cutting off all their financing for their campaigns. Uh, and and given, the, given the record that we know about uh, of, the, of the kind of dramatic steps that have been taken to try to silence people uh, and to protect this information, you know, th there's a, a danger that these people are presented with, that we know that people's political careers, their family life, uh, their, their entire life has been destroyed by a covert program that has been operational uh, to silence people about the existence of the, the UFOs and the reality of them. Uh, and so that 
there's a there's an extremely dangerous situation that has arisen here where the the, the powerful secret forces of the deep state here in the United States are mobilizing to try to keep this information solely in the hands of the the deep state or they can make weapons uh, with this technology. And they've risen to the fore here all of a sudden, uh, right over the holiday. Uh, we had we had this thing fully uh, online to get passed. You know, we, we got it passed uh, 17 to nothing out of the Senate Intelligence Committee. We got it passed by the United States Senate, you know, 89 to 11. Uh, we got it passed in the House of Representatives uh, with with a, a, an overwhelming vote there. Uh, and but the on the House side this is a little inside baseball as we refer. But in the House side, what happened is these hardcore reactionaries put in some uh, some amendments to the National Defense Authorization Act, prohibiting any any military money being uh, given for contraception for any of the women in the military, uh, prohibiting them from having any birth control uh, information, prohibiting any uh, any uh, courses on racial justice, uh, uh, a whole bunch of these kind of social uh, amendments. Uh, and so the, the two bills that were passed by the House and the Senate had th- those differences in it. And so they've had to have a conference committee. And what happened is the conference committee, rather than focusing its attention solely on those controversial amendments that were put in by the House, uh, this has provided an opportunity for the aerospace industry and their minions to intervene and try to take out this entire 64 pages uh, of the 1,000-page National Defense Authorization Act, trying to take it out of there in its entirety. Now, they they first attacked by saying, look, we want the eminent domain uh, provisions taken out so that the United States government has no authority to reclaim the, uh, the UFO technology that has been put under contract and secretly provided to these aerospace industries to develop. They wanted that taken out of there. Uh, and our response was, why are you so upset about wanting to get that taken out of there if you don't have anything? <laughs> you know, if you don't have any of the technology, why are you upset about this? And then they started to pretend that it was some abstract you know, libertarian position against the exercise of government power, you know, uh, and, uh, and, and then they, they backed off on that uh, and said that they wanted the subpoena power taken out of there so that you couldn't compel uh, the CIA, the DIA, the, the uh, other uh, of the 18 intelligence agencies, you couldn't compel them to provide the information uh, to, to the Congress. Uh, and we kept saying again, you know, why, why are you upset about that? If you're, if you're maintaining, you don't have any of this stuff, why are you upset about it? Uh, and so they said, well, okay, if that's the way you want to be, we're going to try to get the entire bill, uh, struck, uh, out of the national defense authorization. And that's where we are right now. There, the, these four, these four people, you know, the, uh, the Mike Turner, the head of intelligence in the house, the, uh, Michael Rogers, the head of the armed services in the house, uh, Michael Johnson, the new uh, kind of temporary uh, speaker of the house uh, who's gotten in here, who's a total bizarro, uh, as your people probably know. He's this right wing, crazy fundamentalist uh, weirdo who's now in that seat. Uh, and now Mitch McConnell, who is, you know, teetering on, you know, uh, having to retire 
because he's he's having said you know that the four of them have have been reached out to by the aerospace industry and the the covert intelligence operations and uh, they're being threatened right now by them uh, and so they're responding to try to block this bill and they've just had a meeting here three hours ago uh, over on the hill uh, of the members of the conference committee between the House and Senate and we're in the process right now of trying to find out what happened in that meeting to see what the present uh, vote is. And uh, we're, we're mobilizing citizens all around, not only all around the country uh, and focusing on those congressional districts in, in the Senate seat, but also from around the world to start pouring in telegrams and emails uh, to these people uh, to try to generate a revolt, basically, inside those committees uh, of the members, both Democrats and uh, Republicans, who want this bill passed and to push back against this arbitrary and capricious exercise of power on the part of the chairman of these particular committees. So that's where we are as of this morning, uh, as we come on live here today. Now, it's an interesting position that there was an almost a compromise offered, you know, with the eminent domain being removed, i.e. permission to confiscate the stuff being taken out. The Presidential Review, Vo- Review Board is quite a big aspect of it too. I just had Stephen Bassett on two days ago as we yes. record this, who, who covered the bill incredibly well in around an hour in some of the key highlights. And yep. he mentioned that you could lose the eminent domain and it would weaken the bill by, say, 5% of its power. But he felt a real body blow would be to remove the presidential review board. And I wonder what is your take on those two particular aspects? And also, I would further add, Danny, is there an idea that maybe a compromise would be necessary to get something through? Uh, No, I'm totally opposed to that. uh, Because it's, uh, I mean, taking out the eminent domain uh, and the subpoena power is what they're after, the two of them, you know, would, would reduce the effectiveness of the whole operation a lot more than 5%. Uh, you know, it, it would it would gut the bill because, you know, based on 20 years in Washington, D.C., I know perfectly well that if you don't have subpoena power and you don't have the ability to coerce these people uh, into relinquishing this information, they'll just push you back and ignore you, you know, and then wait for you to, you know, it's like Donald Trump. You know, if you can't if you can't force him to do something, he'll just refuse to do it. You know, and, and they they will refuse to do this. So uh, my my position is that it would it would reduce the effectiveness of this committee by 95 percent if those two things were taken out of there. And so in, you don't want to have some kind of a, a complete pretense uh, of a, a UFO disclosure going on, because that's going to take the wind out of the sails of, uh, of us trying to get an effective committee put together to to extract this information. If you have a, a group in place that just is powerless and is being ignored by the national security state people in the aerospace industry, you know that you're 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 going to have to you're going to have to deal with the fact that a lot of people in the citizenry would be deceived into thinking there's something happening, uh, and there really isn't. Uh, and so that I think it, it's much better uh, if they if they uh, insist upon trying to take these things out, which they're doing. Schumer has refused to accept that. Schumer Schumer has personally refused to accept the removal of those important uh, enforcement provisions of this bill. Uh, and if the, if the, the bad guys try to kill this thing, well, we're just going to keep on coming. We're going to keep on coming, and we're going to say, look at uh, the. We're we're going to reveal who the people are. 
where their money is coming from. You know, the Lockheed Martin is the is the overwhelming uh, primary funder for Mike Rogers in the Armed Services Committee. I mean, he gets paid by these people. They pay for his campaigns, you know. Uh, and so that we're going to continue uh, moving to get an effective bill passed. We're not going to have some kind of watered-down bill where, where, you know, you have nothing happening except the frustration of the people. So we're not, we're not going to have a fraudulent uh, bill passed here. Uh, so that, that's, that's my position on this thing. So Matt Laszlo from Askapol had tweeted to say that NDAA was over, didn't even last two hours. Rank and file members brought up UAPs with more to come, but nothing definitively had been decided on anything. There is lots of bipartisan frustration that party leaders are controlling the strings. That's the most recent update we have. So I wonder on your end, is that what you expected? And how long do you think this potential is going to go on for? Well, this is this is going to go on. We have about 25 days left here. Right, right around December 21st uh, is when the the National Defense Authorization Act is usually voted on. Uh, it's one of the last pieces of business that the House and Senate do before they leave for their Christmas vacation, uh, and that's when this happens. This is when we got the Arrow uh, legislation passed. This is when we got the whistleblower uh, legislation passed to protect them. Uh, This is when they've gotten the proposed amnesty uh, uh, for people who have been uh, illegally concealing this information. You know, that this is always the time, right, just before the Christmas break, uh, the House and Senate, that we get these things voted on. So we have between now and December 21st to keep pushing this information in from the citizens all around the country uh, to demand that the members of the House and Senate intelligence committees uh, and armed services committees push back against McConnell uh, and push back against uh, Turner and push back against Rogers and push back against Johnson, the the, the kind of interim speaker of the House. You know, the, the, these people do not do not have the kind of power they think they have if, in fact, the membership of those committees will will join together both Republican and Democrats and, and oppose them uh, and support the, the bill. So we still have a chance. It's about 45, 55 right now. It's 45 percent uh, likely that we can get the bill passed because of the of the pressure coming from the, the top authorities. But we have we have a chance uh, if we can get that up over 51 <laughs> uh, percent in the next 25 days. You know, we can get this thing through. But as I said, Schumer is holding fast. Uh, he is not going to agree to take out the subpoena power, and he's not going to agree to take out the power of eminent domain. There's absolutely no reason why any private for-profit company ought to have monopoly control over the UFO technology. Uh, that's totally ridiculous. You know, I mean, it's like it's like giving giving private people the authority to you know the for example when when uh, Franklin Roosevelt had the uh, rural electrification program the government built the, the the Tennessee Valley Authority they generated the electricity with the dams they built the power lines and they made this available it's just like giving over control of the public highways to a private company you know that is going to charge you you know to drive on the highway you know that this this is a uh, a a public utility that is, should be available for everybody in the world 
you know, but that we do have to have a treaty that's going to become next. We need to have a treaty that prohibits any country or anyone from utilizing the UFO technology to develop weapons. You know, and, and the, the, the primary pushback against that is going to come from the deep state of the United States. They're the ones that want to have the weapon. They're the ones that want to establish full spectrum dominance over the planet. Uh, they've, they've said so in their, their classified documents. So the, we, have to, we have to get this bill push, put in. We need to then our, our office, the, the New Paradigm Institute, is one of the nine entities that is uh, authorized to nominate people. Uh, to be members of this uh, records review board, you know, and we've we've identified who we think some of these people ought to be. We believe that uh, President Biden would support them and appoint them, and we need to get this this put into place uh, here coming into the beginning of 2024, uh, and then we need to move to start getting the treaty uh, in uh, passed and get the United States to take the leadership on establishing such a treaty. Danny, can you just bump your camera a little bit more central? I know the sun might have moved around a little bit if you want to get yourself comfortable. I'll oh. take this bit out, don't worry. Um, okay. You were just almost falling out of frame there. That's chasing you around. Yeah, that, that's perfect. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, you on that, you know, Democratic and Republican, you know, bipartisanship with this issue, Re- Representative Anna Polina Luna tweet out just in the last 24 hours that along with uh, Representative Tim Burchett, Representative Matt Gates, and Representative Jared Moskowitz, they were going to hold a bipartisan press conference at the Capitol this Thursday morning before votes to publicly draw attention to the continual pushback, sidelining, and stonewalling that's happening in this. What do you see that achieving? Do you think that's the kind of thing that is going to rally more public pressure? behind this sort of amendment? Yes, the, the, the bipartisan nature of this is extraordinarily important because there's, there's a, a great deal of frustration on the part of the American citizens about this tribalism that's going on, of the Democrats and Republicans you know, locking into these fights over everything and nothing getting done. This is a dramatic example of you know, 99% uh, of all of the Democrats and 99% of all the Republicans in both the House and the Senate want this bill passed. Uh, and this is an extraordinary exercise of bipartisan support. You know, we, we actually have people like AOC, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, in meetings with Matt Gates. you know, uh, <laughs> both agreeing that they want this bill passed. Uh, and so that we, we actually have them being not only civil with each other, but being actively friendly and partnering to try to get this bill passed. So I think that this is a, an extraordinarily important opportunity, not only for the substance of the particular bill that we're talking about, but for the demonstration of the fact that there is an ability to have our two political parties agree on something and support the American people. But the, the private industry, the aerospace industry, that is, and the deep state, which has been engaged in criminal activity to silence people uh, about this secret information for so long, are raising their head here. Uh, and if, if we can establish a coalition support in both the Republican and Democratic Party to push back against these kind of people and, and this kind of deep state uh, conspiracy to stop the American people from getting to exercise their democratic rights in this country, 
uh, this would be an additional benefit of this unique particular piece of legislation. So I'm going to bring it back to that, but I want to sidebar just with a comment you made uh, on Martin Willis's podcast. Um, you mentioned, and that was in the last day or so, I recommend people go and check that one out. People outside of the political arena have essentially been paid off. And you went as far as to name Jay Stratton and Travis Taylor. You said Travis, but I believe you were talking about Travis Taylor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. both involved in the UFO UAP field within the US government over the last decade. Now, that's a huge statement to make. And I wonder, can you elaborate on why you're so confident in naming those individuals? Well, because they've, they've been hired by, by Radiant the technology, you know, which is one of the one of the the aerospace uh, industries that is trying to back engineer this this technology, you know, and what they what's happened is they've been hired right out of the government, you know, and brought over into the private industry uh, and and paid uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, to basically bribe them, you know, into into taking a position against this bill. You know, uh, they've, they've come out of the government and where it's completely in the interest of Congress to have this information. People need to understand that the primary focus of this bill, the Schumer Amendment, is to get the information about the UFOs and about this non-human intelligence that's behind the UFOs into the hands of our Congress. That, that's, that's the key to this thing. You know, that people are talking a lot about it being made public and us, we in this citizenry getting to learn a lot more about. But the reality is, from a constitutional point of view, it's absolutely outrageous to have some completely unacknowledged uh, black money funded uh, secret program that is being concealed from our elected representatives who need to make important policy decisions about what relationship we're going to have with this extraterrestrial civilization, what role we're going to play in it, how we're going to be able to uh, remain peaceful and have cooperative and productive relations with this extraterrestrial civilization, and to have private for profit people uh, commandeering this and trying to, to twist this into their own private profit and then reach into our government and hire people, bribe people to come out of our government and join their private companies and offer them hundreds of thousands of dollars in bribes, basically, uh, to oppose this legislation, uh, which is solely for the benefit of our country and uh, our in our government, uh, you know, is 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 irresponsible uh, and untoward. I mean, I, I like both of the guys. I mean, you know, and and I can I can understand that if somebody comes to you and offers you that kind of money to to join their private company. Uh, and come outside of the government, but to but to enlist them in opposing this bill, you know, which is designed solely and exclusively to help the American people and to help our Congress exercise its constitutional authority, I believe is is untoward uh, and unacceptable. And so that, that's why I, I it's it's radiant technology that really is at, at fault here. You know, I mean, these individual guys like Jay and, and Travis, you know, get, you know, if, if you wave enough money in front of almost anybody, you know, they'll, they'll come out and do what you want. But, you know, but it's, it's another thing to do it to the rep representatives in Congress. You know, the amount of money that, that uh, Lockheed Martin is paying, you know, to Mike Rogers over as the head of the Armed Services Committee is outrageous. 
You know, to, it's just open bribery. It's like bringing, you know, paper bags full of $100 bills and, and putting them on top of their desk in the Congress. You know, I mean, that's what they're doing. You know, and, and so our people, our people have to push back against this. And this is a legitimate exercise of bipartisan support all across the political spectrum. You know, all the way from, as I said, uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, and, uh, and Jamie Raskin, all the way to Matt Gates and Luna. You know, we, we have an extraordinary demonstration of bipartisan support for this bill. Uh, and we can't allow people to be bribed and threatened, you know, uh, both bribed and threatened, you know, to, to exercise their power to stop this bill. What surprises me, and obviously I, I know little about the American political arena, but I probably know more than I do about the UK one, to be fair now, just doing this podcast. But you've talked about a groundswell of support across the House, the Senate, Congress, all those huge numbers voting for this amendment and this bill. And then it seems like a couple of individuals, the two Mikes, backed by the other Mike and Mitch McConnell, seem to have with yes. very powerful backing and I completely understand that with the private aerospace industry and the money involved there and the power and the influence how can all that support be so stymied by just a couple of individuals with some powerful friends and does that not mean that even if this does pass that same power that same pushback is still going to be there in the background fighting this oh yes no there's there's no doubt about that Andy that that uh, this element uh, in this alliance between the deep state uh, uh, covert operations uh, people uh, in in the military and in the intelligence agencies in liaison with the private uh, aerospace industry people are a very powerful force and they will continue to do this. And that's why, as I say, it's so important that this legislation be passed with the power of subpoena power uh, and with the power of eminent domain to, to lay claim to this technology, to lay claim to these documents and extract them from them because we know perfectly well that they're going to resist. We know that they're going to lie and cheat. Uh, they're going to threaten people. They're, they're willing to resort to violence against people and, and blackmailing people and, and extorting a people in order, to, in, in order to, to keep this information secret so that they can have it and, and hopefully end up having monopoly control over this for another 10,000 years into the future, you know, to, to make quadrillions of dollars of private profit by controlling this technology, which should be available to the whole world, you know, as long as we can have a treaty that prohibits any nation state from utilizing the technology to develop any type of weapon system. That's what we need to have. You mentioned the threats of blackmail, extortion, violence. We've heard such claims from David Grush recently, especially at the hearings and the Joe Rogan podcast, his appearance on American Alchemy. And I wonder, is that something you yourself have, have faced, those kind of threats and intimidation? And how commonplace is that at that level of, you know, secrecy? Well, the, the, uh, you know, I've been at this for like 50 years you know, in, in dealing with the Pentagon Papers case that we did, the Iran-Contra case that we did the investigation on. And I know that the, the Central Intelligence Agency of the United States, the specific, specifically the Covert Operations Division, uh, uh, which they call the Operations Directorate, you know, has a, an assassination program, 
You know, they, they actually assassinate people uh, around the world who, who uh, oppose their policies. And we know that, for example, back in 1980, they mobilized to throw President Carter out of office uh, completely illegally. And they went after Frank Church, who chaired the church committee, the Select Committee on Intelligence Abuse, when he turned his focus uh, in the c- focus of Congress on the CIA in their, their what they call uh, you know, dirty covert operations, what that really entailed was massive heroin smuggling, <laughs> uh, political assassination programs, blackmailing people, you know, uh, uh, setting people up to destroy their family life. You know, th- they view this as completely legitimate. And, and the problem is that they have now gone to the point where they view the American public and the Congress of the United States as legitimate targets for that kind of operation that they engage in. Uh, and so that once, once you authorize that type of conduct on a part of a, of a secret agency inside your government, they're going to turn that against the people and they're going to turn that against the members of Congress. And that's what we're dealing with here. You know, the, the, it's not just the matter of them bribing people uh, in paying their campaign, but they threaten these people. When, when we were doing the Iran-Contra case, for example, we ended up, we ended up uh, meeting with a particular United States senator uh, out of Minnesota uh, and, and talked him into going onto the Senate floor uh, and demanding an investigation of the off-the-shelf enterprise uh, that, uh, that the Reagan and Bush administration were running with Oliver North. And that night, that night, you know, three men came to their home and dragged his wife out of bed and put a gun in her mouth and threatened to come and kill her if he, the, the, the senator didn't, in fact, withdraw his request to have an investigation conducted. I mean, that's how bad this thing is, you know? And what I'm saying is, is that these are the kind of forces that are mobilizing now uh, to try to keep this information secret and to try to keep it solely and exclusively in the hands of the private aerospace industry. And there's quadrillions of dollars of profit uh, at stake here, private profit that they want to make over the next hundred years by controlling this technology. So we're, we're at a crucial moment here where we have to mobilize the democratic forces with a small d in our, in our citizenry, and we need to, to forge this alliance between members of the Republican Party and the Democratic Party to stand up for our Constitution and to insist that this bill get passed and that we can appoint to have the president appoint a board of people who are going to extract this information and get it into the hands of our Congress, into the hands of our elected representatives, so they can be the ones that design the policy of how it is we're going to relate to this extraterrestrial civilization and not leave it in the hands of, of a bunch of private military people who are trying to pursue their own private profits by making weapons. Uh, we, we've got to stop this. And I wonder... If this bill does pass and it stays intact, which is the the blue sky scenario, in that case, what do you expect the next phase of pushback to look like? If we do have a presidential review panel, if we do have that eminent domain, if we do have that subpoena power there to really push for that capital D disclosure, for the power to be back in the hands of Congress, surely the powers that be, the gatekeepers now, the bad guys, aren't going to simply relinquish that? And I wonder, what does that next retaliation look like? 
Well, what, what, what they're going to try to do is they will, of course, reach out and try to intimidate the individual members of this board. Uh, that's one of the things that we have to deal with in, in nominating people, uh, you know, that uh, the, we're, we're having meetings now with those of us who have been authorized to help nominate these people. Uh, we're meeting with potential uh, prospective members of this panel. Uh, and one of the issues we have to deal with is their concern uh, that they would be threatened uh, and that they would be intimidated. Uh, if, if they take these positions. And that's why the kind of people that we're talking about nominating are the kind of people who are more influential and more powerful uh, and are embedded in a, a lot of the power structure. Uh, and so that it will be much more difficult to intimidate those people uh, than it might be regular citizens. Uh, and they're more knowledgeable about the kind of security measures that need to be taken uh, in, in dealing with this information and making better judgments about what they're proposing to the president be made public. Uh, so that, the you know, we're, we're talking about people like Leon Panetta. Uh, we're talking about, you know, John Podesta. You know, we're talking about uh, 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 General Richardson. You know, we're, we're talking about uh, people of this nature uh, who are, who might not be the most progressive people in the whole world. They may not be the kind of people that, the, the most aggressive advocates of, of public disclosure in our UFO community might prefer having there. But the, they're the kind of people that you aren't going to be able to intimidate that easily. You know, so that's part of how we're defending, <laughs> trying to help defend the, the board against this kind of intimidation. You know, I mean, to go after a guy like Leon Panetta, who not only uh, was a, a long-term congressman, who was the chief of staff for the, for the President Clinton, and was the Secretary of Defense and the head of the CIA, you know, he's harder to intimidate than, uh, than a regular citizen would be. So that's, that's part of how we're going to help protect uh, that board. Uh, but also when you have, uh, they have the power to take depositions. You know, they can subpoena uh, people inside the private aerospace industry and take their depositions under oath. And if they lie under oath, they can be prosecuted for perjury. You know, that, that's the kind of power that we need to have here at our disposal as the citizens. And we need to put this, this power into the hands of a, a group that is under the supervision and oversight of Congress. That's, the, the, this, this panel is functioning on behalf of the Congress of the United States. Let's go worst case scenario. The amendment gets stripped out altogether, okay? Uh, recently, in, in the last couple of years particularly, we have heard from various journalists, researchers and the like, the who say they have spoken to whistleblowers like David Grush, uh, like the 40 who David Grush interviewed who haven't come forward yet. And if this amendment failed, would the time be right for the floodgates to open from those who have those kind of high sources? And I wonder from a legal point of view, how can they go about that safely? Well, that's that's what the, our new Paradigm Institute, one of the services that we're providing, you know, with our offices right there on Capitol Hill, is to meet with these potential whistleblowers and make sure that they have legal protection. You know, that, and it's not just myself who's been involved in being legal counsel for the Disclosure Project for years, that did the Iran-Contra case and did the Pentagon Papers case for the New York Times and the Karen Silkwood case where we revealed the fact that the CIA was smuggling you know, bomb-grade plutonium out of the nuclear facility in Oklahoma and giving it to Israel and Iran. 
I've been at this for a long time. But but we also have, have people like Charles McCullough, who is the former inspector general for the intelligence community. You know, he is on board, uh, also helping to provide legal defense for the whistleblowers. Uh, and so what we're doing is putting together a coalition of lawyers who are going to be willing to protect those whistleblowers uh, and to bring them forward uh, and to not, not just have them running willy-nilly to each you know, newspapers or going on podcasts and revealing it to the world, but to take the information to the Senate Intelligence Committee, to take the information to, to the House Intelligence Committee and the House Oversight Committee, uh, people who have security clearances, and provide this information to them, have our Congress exercise its, its discretion to determine what kind of public hearings they're going to have. Uh, so they'll have things like, uh, like David Grouch coming forward and testifying uh, openly in public uh, about what this information is. This information is going to come forward, you know, uh, and either it's going to be done under a controlled, uh, uh, careful uh, process like that we proposed in this bill, or it's going to be done otherwise, you know, and it's the otherwise that these people ought to be worried about. <laughs> is that that ca- catastrophic disclosure we've been hearing about recently? The so-called catastrophic disclosure. And, you know, in the the people who keep using that term have different definitions of it. You know, it ranges all the way from revealing information that there have been criminal acts committed in the past against people who have tried to reveal this information. And therefore, there's criminal liability for a number of people. Uh, they view that as catastrophic from their point of view. But, for example, this was the same argument that was being made in the Pentagon Papers case. You know, the, the uh, Nixon administration, with their attorney general, John Mitchell, had tasked, you know, the United States attorney for the Southern District of New York, uh, Whitney North Seymour, to come in and make an argument in court that if any information was revealed from the 47 volumes of the Pentagon Papers, it was going to impose irreparable damage upon the national security of the United States. Uh, and so I, I said to him in chambers, I said, like what? You know, and he refused to say, oh, no, we, we can't, we aren't going to give you any details about what the kind of catastrophic damage might be because you don't have the proper security clearances. You know, but he also refused to even tell the judge that he was trying to get an injunction against the New York Times publishing this and wouldn't even tell the court what it was that they were worried about. So, I mean, that in the abuse of that power, to give that type of discretionary power uh, to people in the intelligence uh, agencies, you know, uh, and uh, is is irresponsible constitutionally. Uh, and so that we're, we're what we're doing is we're offering this this clear compromise bill uh, of of allowing control to be exercised by our United States Congress over what information and when is going to be released to the American public about this you know, is the right constitutional decision to make here. That's why we have elected representatives in a representative democracy, you know, but we, we cannot allow it to be kept secret uh, and, and abuse the power of secrecy like they were trying to do in the Pentagon Papers case. You know, all 47 volumes of the Pentagon Papers case were published. Nothing catastrophic happened, you know, except for the fact that we helped end the invasion of Southeast Asia. By, by the United States covert operations and the CIA. Now, they probably viewed that as catastrophic, you know, to their mission of trying to establish a military land base in Southeast Asia. But, you know, that was an illegitimate undertaking anyhow. 
And what we demonstrated in the Pentagon Papers case is that they were lying repeatedly to Congress, lying to the American people uh, in order to, to undertake that type of a criminal operation that they were engaged in. Uh, and that, so part of what the, the worry is on the part of these opponents is that they, in fact, want to be able to continue unlawful, unconstitutional activity with regard to secreting this information about the UFOs and about an entire extraterrestrial civilization. I mean, just think how preposterous that is, that somehow they have the right to keep secret, you know, any kind of communications or contact with an extraterrestrial civilization. And all the people of the world have to be kept in the dark about that. You know, I mean, that this is preposterous and it's fundamentally unconstitutional. It's anti-democratic. Uh, and in my opinion, uh, as a professional attorney, it's criminal. Uh, and has to be treated as such if that's what, how they want to go. I'm going to ask, because you've mentioned the, the term extraterrestrial civilization a few times, and as a very experienced attorney, as you are, you, you pick your words carefully. You're using the singular and not the plural when it comes to extraterrestrial civilization. And is that from a place of, in your opinion, or you're very aware, there is one? Or are you speaking generally that there may not be more than one interacting with us? Oh yeah, no, that that's clearly so, Andy. I mean that that there there are are clearly different species uh, here. There are a half a dozen different species that have been identified uh, credibly, you know, and the, it's highly likely that they come from different star systems, you know, and we don't know yet. We that's part of the problem. We don't know. Uh, we're not given access in the democratic processes to try to figure this out, you know, of whether there's some sort of coalition. Do they have any kind of federation? What kind of cooperation do they do they engage in uh, between and among themselves? We don't know what the answer to that is, but but we do know that in, in just like you have a human civilization, for example, on our planet, uh, even though there are different nation states and there are different ideologies that are involved, but we have one human civilization. Uh, that's part of the problem. We're trying to get people to understand that there is such a thing as human civilization. Uh, and there's such a thing as an extraterrestrial civilization. We just don't know what its component elements are at the present time. Uh, and we don't know how much somebody deep inside our United States government and inside our aerospace industry, we don't know what they know about this. Uh, because there, there's evidence indicating that there's been some type of actual communication going on with, uh, with people, with beings from this extraterrestrial civilization. And we're being kept in the dark about what the information is, you know, and that, that is completely unconstitutional. One thing I think it's fair to say is, given your, your extensive experience with individuals and groups of, with the UFO topic over the years, Danny, is you have been exposed to more knowledge or information uh, and opinion that, than your average person or a researcher on the topic. And I wonder... What kind of damage could 50, and I mean damage in a positive way, what kind of damage could 50 Danny Sheehans do, you know, with a Danny Sheehan, a David Grush, a James Fox, a Lou Elizondo, a Chris Mellon, if you all decided to take this into your own hands, if politically it wasn't going the way this this was wanting to go, and come out and discuss what you know on a public stage, could we still get the sort of progress and disclosure that we need or are looking for, or would that still not work, do you think? Well, no, we don't. We don't view it as damage. I mean, uh, what we're what we're trying to do is do a positive service for the the constitutional order in our country. 
of getting this information into the hands of the elected representatives who have the constitutional authority to make policy uh, in these areas. That's what we're attempting to do. So, I mean, what we would do is bring the whistleblowers, you know, directly to uh, the Senate and House Intelligence Committee and say, look, you guys have the adequate clearances here on this. Let us sit down and tell you what the information is that that is being kept away from you. That we've made a we've made a clear above board public effort here in the drafting and the putting together of the Schumer amendment to give the covert world an opportunity to do this in a sound and responsible way uh, from their perspective. But if they aren't going to accept this, then what we're going to do is we're going to move directly to the Congress and start providing the information directly to the intelligence community here, or the intelligence committee uh, in both the House and the Senate. And that is the most secure, uh, confidential communication system that we have in bringing information to our elected representatives, and we will use that. We will bring the whistleblowers to them. Uh, we'll, We'll go inside the skiffs, you know, and present the information to them. I mean, I've been in meetings like that, with Lou Elizondo, when we go and sit down with the inspector general uh, of the Defense Department and start telling them information uh, that they have had concealed from them, you know, uh, and, and so that you know, when when we first went to the first uh, face-to-face meeting with the inspector general of the Defense Department with Lou, uh, it, first, it started out with them being kind of, uh, you know, uh, antagonistic to his complaint made against the Defense Department and all that. But within five minutes, they were leaning across the table, just soliciting additional information from Lou. Tell us what's going on. You know, what is happening? You know, and uh, and their eyes would get big as saucers. And then they would bring in, you know, more people, more staff that had security clearances to hear what was going on, you know. Uh, And and so we've, we've basically recruited them. Uh, as American citizens and as supporters of the American constitutional order to move into a position of supporting this bill. And we have people all throughout the government, everywhere, inside inspector general's offices, everywhere, supporting this bill. In fact, participating in helping to draft the bill. You know, so th- this compromise is on the table right now. Uh, and, uh, you know, either they accept it, you know, th- th- we, we've got guys like Turner thinking that he's making some ultimatum to to uh, Senator Schumer saying, oh, you either uh, take this, take the the uh, eminent domain and the subpoena power uh, out of this bill uh, or else we're going to kill it. He thinks he's threatening us. You know, the bottom line is they're the ones that are in danger here. You know, we're the we're the ones that have access to the information. You know, we're the ones that are getting set to bring this information directly to the members of Congress uh, if they don't allow this board to be set up, to be some type of a filter, some kind of an evaluation process uh, of this information. If they're not going to accept this, we're going to just move straight forward and we're going to organize the whistleblowers. We're going to recruit more whistleblowers. We're going to provide legal protection to them uh, against any kind of recriminations that are taken against them, pursuant to legislation that we've already gotten passed, right? Uh, and we're going to set up a, a protocol uh, that is consistent with this bill, you know, whether whether the bad guys uh, refuse to pass it or not. So we're, we're, we've already established what we think are reasonable criteria to be uh, addressed here. And we're going to continue to conduct ourselves as though this statute were passed 
if they if they try to stop it. Danny, I just want to finish off by giving you the chance to, we've only got a few minutes left, obviously, before you're a busy, busy man at the minute. Um, a final chance to say some words to the viewers and listeners uh, for you about the future of the UFO disclosure movement and what would you, what advice would you give them and how to kind of push forward with this and make sure we get the progress required? Sure. Well, I, I think it's extraordinarily important for everybody who has spent years reading about and watching shows about and trying to find out everything they could about this UFO phenomenon and whatever is going on with who is behind all of this, which we all basically assume it's extraterrestrial. We know that it presents itself in a way that appears to be potentially extra dimensional, which I personally think, based on all that I know, appears to be some sort of a function of how they travel and how they move. Uh, and, it, and it gives the appearance of being extra dimensional by being able to appear and disappear, etc. But what the bottom line is, is that we're at an extraordinarily important pivot place in history right now. This is one of the most important events in all of human history that is taking place right in front of you right now. And so what you want to do is not be mere spectators uh, in this. You want to exercise your authority in every single government, uh, every single country uh, in the world, uh, and, and turn your focus on the United States government right now and these members of Congress and write to them and call them and email them, you know, go on the internet and find out what the, what the uh, email addresses are for these, for these senators and, and Congress people and communicate with them. What we have to do is, is submit to them this overflow of information coming in from the citizenry around the world, demanding that this bill be put into the National Defense Authorization Act and be operational. That's what we have to do. We want to do this before the kind of weird chaos that might ensue around the 2024 election here in the United States. You know, if Donald Trump becomes the nominee for the Republican Party and Joe Biden remains the, the nominee for the Democratic Party and the, the lengths to which, uh, frankly, supporters of Donald Trump are willing to go uh, to challenge the, the constitutional order. Uh, in, in, in engage in insurrection against the government of our country. You know, we have to get this done before that time to try to aid in, a, aid in establishing coalitions that are bipartisan and nonpartisan so that there's something that we're all doing together as citizens so that we can, in fact, work together and, and exercise friendship with each other. You know, uh, no matter what's going on behind the scenes, by you know, malevolent forces. Uh, you, we need to exercise our power together and you need to reach out right now, look up, get onto the, get onto Google or wherever it is you have to go and find out what the, what the addresses are for the senators and Congress people. You can also find the, uh, on our, our website, the new paradigm Institute.org. You know, you can find the list of who the target people are, who the people are on the, on the armed services committees and on the intelligence committees to direct special attention to those members because they're the ones that are in the position to, to basically push back against the exercise of arbitrary power on the part of these four people uh, in the Congress uh, and, and bolster them up, show that you'll support them and, and, uh, and they'll, they'll respond, I believe. So let's do this at this unique moment in history.
it's been wonderful speaking with you, Danny. And like I say, it'd be great to get you back on in the new year, regardless what happens with this amendment, to discuss that further, but also get through some of the, the myriad of listener questions I received as well. Terrific. Terrific, Andy. I appreciate the opportunity. That is all for this episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. Don't forget to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. Apple and Spotify do make a huge difference to the algorithm. If you're checking the show out on YouTube, please don't forget to like and leave a comment on here as well. Any sharing you do is very much appreciated on any social media platform. And finally, you can listen to shows ad-free and sponsor-free in their glorious full versions by subscribing for less than the price of a coffee on Apple, Spotify, just search That UFO Podcast Premium YouTube, you can sign up and be a member or you can do that through patreon.com. Thank you very much for listening folks It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little baroque and quite steampunk like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Folk The little fucker hovered right outside of my window and when I shoved out the screen he made it an issue I don't think he expected me to see his ass but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little Thank you.